Hey, friends and fam, it's John, and it's time for the J-Mart cast for Monday, September 5th. What's going on? How are ya? Happy uh, Labor Day to everybody in the, uh, I guess, Canada and the States. I don't know if Labor Day, they have it in other parts of the world, maybe Europe. Either way, thank you again for joining me. It's been a great week. It's my birthday week. Uh, September 3rd was the day. Luckily, the weather held out and it was nice and sunny up until the day of my birthday. And then yesterday, the 4th, and today, the 5th, has been just the uh, gloomiest, grayest of the days uh, of summer so far. And yeah, it's just been no fun waking up to almost a dark sky with uh, yeah, no like hope, it seems like, of the sun peeking out through the clouds at all. But doesn't matter. We're not going to let that stop us because today my family and I, my wife and my two kids, my three-year-old, my nine-month-old, we're going to go to Cherry Beach. They have a, the Cherry Beach Sundays, although today's a Monday because it's a holiday. They're doing it on the Monday, the holiday Monday instead of the Sunday. But Cherry Beach Sundays are happening. There's like a music festival that's very family-friendly, available for anyone to bring you know young children or, or any age to come and hang out and have a good time it's going to be from 3 to 11 obviously we're not staying that late we're just going to stay till i think six or seven and then head back and it's going to be a fun time my kids uh are like the youngest one's first music festival the the older one has been to another one when he was really young too that same one actually that same cherry beach festival we went to when he was just a month old so <laughs> going back to it now that he's a three-year-old so that's been my week. Oh, yeah. And then I was going to share that uh, for my birthday, I got a, a tushy, right? You know what the guys, what that is? It's like this bidet thing that sprays water at your at your bum. <laughs> so you don't have to wipe with a paper towel anymore. You can just uh, use the bidet and get the job done. <laughs> it's funny. Ever since I got that thing, I've just been hammered with like nonstop tushy advertisements on everything that I go to. It's like I already bought it. Stop. Well, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'd, r- I'd rather get that than get some other bullshit advertisement because at least I know I'm not being like manipulated to buy some shit I don't need. Although probably happened with the tushy to begin with, <laughs> but it's been fun having it. I got the, um, what do you call it? The one that lets you hook up the warm water. Like the original one they had was only cold water and the new upgrades they've made. Uh, one thing has been to add the warm water <laughs> in addition to the cold so that you're not just spraying your butt with like ice cold water i guess it matters more so in the winter time in the summertime is not a big deal but yeah it's probably uh, might be a harsh way to wake up having cold water sprayed up there anyways it took me a second to install it it was like leaking some water and everything i had to get like the little um tape whatever it's called plumber's tape i guess to make sure the leak was stopped and it would work fine and once i got it going it was working perfectly let's see what else is happening this week let's see i did jujitsu twice this week actually three times two classes and one open mat open mat was yesterday got uh, a lot of practice in i feel really good about where my uh, game's at at the open mat i you know, went against a couple of uh, higher belts, one black belt, one purple belt, 
and it was it was really good they were like i guess maybe going easier on me and i was able to be competitive there's one black belt that i went against and this guy was just brutal i felt like a little little child against him he was just like he would just like sit on his butt wait for me to come closer to him and then just grab my collar and start like doing these things and i'm not even aware of what he's doing like i can't even describe it that's how like i don't know advanced his techniques are that like yeah, I feel like a white belt again, you know, like in the beginning when I was a white belt and I would go against like just one higher belt, the blue belt, I, the things that they were doing to me, I had no idea. And I was just like floundering. But as I got a little bit more experience, a little bit more skill, then I could do some of that to a new white belt. So they had that same feeling. And then I, when I went against this guy was reminded of what that was like to to experience that again where someone can handle your you in such a I don't know effective way that physically you just feel like you can't accomplish anything anything you do he can parry and have a perfect response to you know get you like yeah he just he tacked me a couple of times and then I was just like trying to stay away from him but it wasn't working that well <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to switch to go to my uh, Twitter account and share a couple of the posts I made that I thought were interesting. First couple were just responses to some people. So there's one by um, an account that I follow, Joey Tweets. He's uh, one of the hosts of the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast, and he was actually one of the guests that I had a while back. Definitely recommend checking out the episodes I did with him or just the one episode I did an interview with him. And he was just... Uh, uh, posting a video of himself deadlifting 310 pounds from like maybe a couple weeks ago and he's like hoping to bring his deadlift up to 400 pounds so up from 310 to 400 and he was just looking for some I guess guidance on uh, what his um, technique could look like to, to get to 400 pounds to reach his goal and so I just took a look at his the video he posted and then my major kind of response to him was that when I saw the video you could see that his setup was mostly good he had a really good flat neutral back as he was going to deadlift the weight up but then from the back from his shoulders to the top of his head he really would extend and crank his neck back as hard as he could during the deadlift part so that he has a basically almost like a 90 degree kink from his neck extending the head backwards and so my response that it was that when i see that i'm guessing that he's losing a lot of power in the legs from extending his neck so ex excessively and so i always queue up clients in a case like this is to try to keep their neck neutral in line with the rest of the back but then if they still want to have like a target to look up i say look up with the eyes only not extending the neck and then that way um yeah you're not going to be losing the power from the legs and then interestingly he responded he, he said it was good good advice he's just trying to ask about the mechanism of what causes uh him to lose the like the power in his legs from extending the neck and then my response was to tell him like tell it to him through an analogy so through an analogy you can think of the spine as like a chassis like a car chassis, right? Like you have the chassis and then you have the engine attached to the chassis. So the spine itself is the chassis and then the hips and the shoulders are kind of like the motors or the engines that generate power. Now, in order to generate the maximum amount of power through your engines or motors, those should should be attached to a straight 
stiff organized spine or chassis as opposed to like a, what I said was a janky bent up crooked one, <laughs> right? Organize your spine or your chassis in the most optimal structure before lifting and then you won't lose power. And then I also linked to a video from Kelly Starrett, who is a really great physiotherapist, well-known world famous coach who's worked with many professional athletes, many world record holders, like people who are Olympic athletes, Olympic gold medalists. And he's got a great video where he demonstrate the, demonstrates this. The video itself here, I'll pull up the, um, oops, sorry. I'll pull up the, uh, the, the title of the, um, I'll pull up the video. And the title of the video is Kelly Starrett Mobility Wad Principles Spinal Integrity. It's a short four minute video where he talks about how spinal integrity is very important for generating power through your shoulders and your hips. And he has a really cool demonstration where he shows that when you organize your spine optimally in a, in a neutral and then you have your arm out, then somebody who's trying to bend your arm would have like an absolute like hard time to be able to do anything like to bend your arm from the elbow would not be able to as long as your neck or, or spine is organized in a fully neutral way all the way from top to bottom but then when he asks the person who he's demoing with to extend their neck backwards while the rest of the spine is still neutral but just the neck has that kink just like uh, what the person was doing when they're doing the, their deadlift de demo when you kink your neck backwards and then he tries to bend the person's arm from the elbow he has a very easy time doing so it's because just the person's no longer able to generate the same power from like the core out towards the arms through the arm through the shoulder to the arm and and then they're not able to you know hold their, that position and prevent their arm from being bent it's a very cool demonstration i highly recommend checking out the video again the title of the video is Kelly Starrett, Mobility Wad Principles, Spinal Integrity. Watch the demo and, and find somebody you can do it with because uh, it's, it's cool. Let's see what else. Another post I had on Twitter this week was this one. I said, the coefficient of static friction is greater than the coefficient of kinetic friction. <laughs> this is like a bit, bit, a bit nerdy, a bit brainy. It's like a physics... Um, um, concept, I guess, right? Um, you can think of like a box on the ground. The coefficient of static friction is like the amount of force that's preventing that box from moving anywhere, which you have to overcome when you're pushing it in order to get it to move. And then the static friction, the coefficient of static, uh, sorry, sorry, that was the coefficient of static friction. And then the kinetic friction, the coefficient of kinetic friction is the amount of force that is uh, required to overcome in order to keep the box moving once you once you've got it going and generally speaking in almost all situations the force for kinetic friction is always less than the static friction and there's many explanations for the why that is I won't get into it now but I think that's a, a concept in general that applies on a micro scale like um you know, when we're talking about just something as so small as like a box, on, you know, on the ground and getting it to move and keeping it moving it. But it also applies, I think, generally to life as well. So that was the kind of the tweet. What That's what it, it was about. So again, I'll go back to the tweet. It's coefficient. The coefficient of static friction is greater than the coefficient of kinetic friction. It's hard to get moving. But once you do, it's easier to keep moving than to stop 
and start again. Get over the initial hump by doing something you enjoy. Lift, yoga, run, swim, martial arts, anything. There's honestly so many options. So that was the tweet and then it got a good response and then one person was asking, is lifting weights for an hour four times a week enough? Also, I go on a few 15 to 20 minute walks per week as well. So then my response to that is, yeah, absolutely. I think, first of all, the question is not that clear in terms of like enough for what, right? Like you could have strength goals, you can have hypertrophy or muscle size increase goals. But either way, my response is for four hour, like four one hour blocks, um, four times a week is plenty of time for both strength and muscle size increase goals. So that's that's great. And then in addition to doing, uh, in addition to do, to that, doing fifteen to twenty minute walks, multiple ones throughout the week is great as well. Those are kind of, you can think of them as movement snacks to, you know, just revitalize the body, pump some blood through it, and and just uh, make it feel good. All right, let's do a quick little Bitcoin update and then I'm going to be done for the day. I just got a short little break while the wife's taking out the kids. So I'm home alone and I have the opportunity to do this. So let's start with the Bitcoin update. We're on block height 752,739. One Bitcoin is trading for $19,786 and one or US dollars, excuse me. One US dollar will buy you 5,555 sats or satoshis, which are the smallest subunit of one Bitcoin. One Bitcoin can be subdivided into 100 million satoshis or sats. If you want to buy some sats or Bitcoin and you live in Canada, I recommend you use, um, what do you call it? ShakePay. <laughs> ShakePay is a good Canadian exchange. They are KYC, which stands for Know Your Customer, which means you have to provide information about your identity to them in order to exchange your fiat dollars for Bitcoin. There are other ways of doing it where it's non-KYC, where you can buy Bitcoin without the person who you're buying or the entity you are buying from knowing your personal private details. But if you don't mind... uh, the KYC option, then ShakesPay is a good way of doing it. And I have a referral link that you can use in the description for this podcast episode. So check it out if you want to. Let's talk a little bit about Bitcoin. Um, This is a really cool thread that somebody wrote out that I'd like to share to give some perspective. So this um, account on Twitter is at... R-O-B-U-S-T-U-S at Robustus, I guess. The person's name is Dan McArdle. He says, Bitcoin is up 200,000% in the last 10 years. Yeah, it's crazy to think about that, eh? From when it was first like traded for money to where it is now, it's 200,000%. To hold it for that period, though, you had to not sell a 10 bagger. I think a 10 bagger is a is a phrase that that's used to mean um uh how much like a million dollars. Let me let me look that up. Okay, I looked it up. It says a 10 bagger is an investment that appro- appreciates in value 10 times its initial purchase price. Okay, so it's only just 10xing. I mean, I shouldn't say only because things rarely ever 10 times. <laughs> 
something in value, but it does happen. And then not sell a hundred baggers. So something that would increase in value a hundred times. Yeah. Cause it did 200%, right? 200,000%. Insane to even think about, right? Cause that's like what? 2000 X. <laughs> Anyways, not fall for a scam. You would have to not fall for a scam. Yeah. There's lots of scams around as well. Right. Cause it's like, well, there's all these alternative coins you can get invested into. Right. Uh, and then those go to zero while Bitcoin's going up. <laughs> And then you would also have to not get hacked. Yeah, that's a big one too, right? Some I don't I don't know how actually I don't know how many people who have used Bitcoin have gotten hacked and like the exchanges have gotten hacked, but people who hold their coins, I don't I've never heard of people actually who hold their own Bitcoin get hacked, but who knows? So I'm sure it exists and it's happened. I just haven't heard of it. All right, so I'm going to go through this thread like of all the things that you would have to do and that you would have to get through in 10 years to like experience this 200,000% increase in value or 2,000x increase. <laughs> Let's see. You would not have your coins on one of the 50. Yeah, you would have to have not you would have to not have your coins on one of the 50% of exchanges that ended catastrophically before 2015. Yeah, so there is a lot of exchanges that you could, um, you know, uh, exchange your fiat dollars for Bitcoin for. But then I always say get your Bitcoin off of exchanges into your own custody, because if you don't, then something could happen to that exchange. And then they're a counterparty risk. And in 2015, there are a lot of these exchanges that, um, you know, um, closed and the people who had their money on the exchanges never got it back. You would have to not trade in your Bitcoin gains from 2011 bull run for gold in 2012, which was the worst trade in human history, question mark. <laughs> okay, I don't actually know what happened in um, to gold in 2012, but I do know in 2011, like that was like the first bull run that um, Bitcoin had that I think it went to like 10 bucks. Let me check that real quick. Okay, it says it went from a dollar to like $30. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, so it did all that, but then it, the price went back down to like almost like $2 <laughs> again after being up to 30 So you would have thought maybe it's better to take your money out and put it into gold, but gold did nothing in 2012. But if you look at Bitcoin, it actually went from like in like from two up to like maybe four or five, and then it made it all the way up into the teens. So there you go that would have been a bad trade as well and then he says another thing you would have had to avoid is not to think that you missed the bus in 2010 and 2011 because there's so much more to go <laughs> you would have to not have your coins in one of the many web wallet services that ended catastrophically again these uh services are ways of giving custody to somebody else rather than taking it yourself so if you take it yourself you're generally safe if you give it to somebody else you're taking on a counterparty risk which is the whole reason why bitcoin exists like with regular money with fiat money we have this counterparty risk with like the banks or somebody else because it's always like this this debt system right there's a debt system where whatever money you have if it's your asset it's somebody else's liability that's how it works but with with Bitcoin and with gold, how it used to be is that whoever is the owner of that is the bearer. It's a bearer asset, meaning that there's just one person holding it. They have the asset and no, there's no counterparty risk where it's somebody else that's a liability too. 
what else? You would have to not have your coins on some legit business service that turned out to, to be a Ponzi due to like mismanagement, right? That happened recently with like that um, Celsius uh, company, which was giving people interest on people putting Bitcoin in their custody. And it turns out that they were taking people's Bitcoin and doing mismanaging it in a certain way where they were like adding to a Ponzi scheme and then boom, they you know, went bankrupt and none of the people who put money into this service got, got it back. You would have to not forget your coins, forget your paper wallets or lose your keys. Oh yeah. People used to just keep their keys on paper instead of like the 12 word phrase, they would actually have the, uh, the secret number, the 256 character number. They would have that. So that imagine having that like, and losing it, (laughs) that would suck. Uh, what else? You have to not be in it only for the tech, causing you to spend 80,000 Bitcoin on pizza in 2010, holding nothing. <laughs> yeah, this is actually a funny story where some person, this is actually the first transaction for a physical object in, in reality where Bitcoin was spent on something uh, and it was for a pizza and somebody spent 80,000 <laughs> Bitcoin for this pizza in 2010. And now that 80,000 Bitcoin is way more, <laughs> worth way more, right? So like, whew, can you imagine being the person who did that? You'd have to not listen to the media, not listen to academia, not listen to politicians, not listen to financial experts in quotes, and probably not listen to your friends and family either. <laughs> yeah, the whole way up, like what all these entities have said that Bitcoin's dead, it's a scam, it's only used by people who are trying to break the law, by people who are trying to money money launder or buy drugs and all, trying to mislabel it for something other than like, uh, you know, a censorship resistant, open and permissionless form of money. Okay, he's actually got like over like a list of over 30 things that could be major pitfalls in the last 10 years in actually seeing this 200,000% increase in price of Bitcoin. So I'm just going to focus on a couple of the major ones here and, you know, the rest can be uh, read later if you so choose to. But one of the important ones here is says you should, you would have had to not freak out during the 2016-17 fork wars and sell your coins. So yeah, that's, that's a major thing that happened to me in that year when I was like trying to get into Bitcoin and then I heard about these fork wars happening and I was like, I can't get into this. I have no idea what's going on and now I can't be learning about two different <laughs> Bitcoin I, I I thought one was going to be enough. And so that really screwed me over and I never got into it. Another thing he says, you had to have to not get depressed and sell during the one of the four bear markets when Bitcoin was down 80% plus for months and just sat there. Yeah. So that's kind of what we're going through now. It's not quite 80%. I think it's like 70%, but still it's just, you know, went all the way up to nearly 70,000. Now it's been around 20,000 for a long time. So <laughs> You have to have your conviction and you have to get your conviction through learning more about it, I guess. And then the last thing I'll share is that you'd have to not overtrade and get nailed by an ugly tax situation. Yeah, the way that, you know, the rules are on Bitcoin now is every time you make some sort of transaction, uh, then it has to be uh, recorded for uh capital gains or capital losses, whichever way you're going, depending on when you first got it, right? And so that makes it so that if you're over trading a lot, you're going to be, yeah, 
caught with a lot of like paperwork first of all you have to do but also a lot of if you made a bunch of money then you have to you know uh, put that include that as part of your tax filing so that's a, that's a, yeah not a good place to be it's better to just buy and hold for a long period of time and then uh, that way you will minimize the taxes you have to pay and will make it a more simpler situation as well anyway i've babbled on for too long Thank you again, friends and family, for joining me on yet another episode of the JMart Cast. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. Appreciate you all. Thank you for doing any rating for the podcast that you've done, whether it be on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or both. Thank you for sharing the episodes as much as you can with friends and family who are interested in listening. That's it. As always, stay active, be grateful. JMart out. <laughs>